Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678 951 9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. All right, well, we continue our study of the Gospel of John. We didn't have a talk back last week. We were, uh, our staff was away. We were planning, thinking, strategizing uh, about 2021, but we're back this week, and I'm joined um, by Jordan Coughlin, um, Blake Rogers, and uh, Jennifer McClish. What's your maiden name, Jennifer? It's Dobbins. Jennifer Dobbins McClish. I feel like we've asked that question on this before. But it's a good one. And I think you responded in that exact same way. You know, I I only only have so many tricks, Blake. I only have so many tricks. It's been a while, though. So that's Dobbins. Yeah. Yeah, We we, we were were talking about uh, Shannon's middle name today at staff meeting, and I will not reveal it. You better not. I will not reveal it. Shannon will mess you up. But. She's just know, right now. Just know, Christ Covenant family, that Shannon Smith does have a middle name. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, enough of that, guys. On to more important things. Uh, I want to talk about John, particularly one, particularly verse 35 through 51. So Jennifer Dobbins McClish, let's yes. begin with you. What um, what are some impressions you have just about the sermon, about the text, um, just thoughts that came to your mind as you, you've been thinking about all these things? Well, I... I thought it was great to think about being a follower of Jesus as being uh, identifying with him and how you started out with this whole concept of identity, um, how we all are trying to find meaning and value in our life. And the way we do that is we, we, um, grab hold of something or else we distance ourselves. Like we want to associate ourselves with, you know, things, um, like the, the example of a school where you went to school was a great, great example that really helped. Well, and I think, yeah, I think the reason I wanted to go down that road a little bit is like we as Christians, we have this Christian vernacular, right? And we say like, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, like, what does that really mean? Like, what what are we talking about there? Mm-hmm. Right. And we're saying, you know, I mean, and especially now that like the word follower, like I follow someone on Twitter or what, I mean, you know, th- that could be a confusing concept, but really what we're saying is you're identifying with Christ in a way that is formational about your whole life. You know, it's framing, uh, your, your, what you love, uh, what you think about, what you care about, how you understand morality, how you understand uh, what is valuable because you've identified with Christ. It's changed kind of everything about you. Yeah. And I do think like, I mean, what you identify with and what you distance yourself from is a big part of your Mm -hmm. identity. Um, you know, I mean, even, even just politically, right? right. That's another kind of area. Like right now, um, you know, I think more people are distancing themselves, like for example, for president Trump or something that that's then, then they're identifying with anyone, right. um, you know, mm-hmm. particular candidate or whatever. So they're, they're creating an identity by drawing close or by distancing themselves from something. So. And it, yeah. for me, it also made a lot of sense for other things that Jesus says to his followers, how he's really pushing pushing them in that direction. And it made me think of when he says things that really shock you, like, um, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. Right, yeah. And, like, you can think of that 
in like, um, I'll get you back. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you're ashamed of me, you are distancing self, yourself from it. You're not finding your identity in me. So it just brings it all, you know, makes it a lot more mm-hmm. meaning there. Yeah. Uh, identity is something like, you know, and I think you did a great job. Once again, yesterday, Jason, of, of uh, talking about how we all identify with something. You know, we, we all... And it's part of like the human experience is how God made us. And we've talked a lot about like the vicarious living, right, yeah, you know, that yeah. we, that we have as human beings, we mentally anchor ourselves in something, some narrative, yeah. either that, our own experience or the experience of others. Of others. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, one of the interesting things about that particular to people who find their identity in Jesus, or we would even say like biblical truth, some of the most bitter people in the world that I know or have experienced are people who understand the fall and they, they anchor themselves in the narrative of the fall, but they don't have a balanced view of like redemption and the new heavens and new earth. And so like, um, you know, Jesus, he perfectly embodies like the realities of the fall, but he also perfectly embodies the hope of the resurrection and renewal. That's good. Yeah. And so like to, to, to focus so much on all of the chaos and all of the sadness, the brokenness that's going on around us, um, which are true biblical realities. But if you if you identify with that in such a way that you exclude or or out of balance with like the hope and and joy and redemption that the Bible talks about, you you become uh, just embittered. Yeah. And lack hope in the world. And identity in Christ uniquely equips you to be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's right. And that that just that concept, that idea, uh, to not make light of the real sorrows of the That's world, right. but to find hope through them. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what else really gives you that. I don't know either. Other than a Christian worldview. Yeah, I think like Christ, the, the experience of the Christian faith works in the world. You know, um, it, it works. It, it, it allows you to move through this pain ridden world yeah. with a certain hopefulness. Yeah, you either become a total cynic on one side, which is kind of what you're saying, yeah. or on the other side, you become uh, kind of tone deaf to like the real issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you either have to block out the sorrow or you just become consumed Mm -hmm. by it so and how yeah how appropriate during this time when we have coronavirus and we have all the unrest that's happening just in in politics and in our country it's i find myself it's very easy to want to put faith and hope in something other than jesus right so put your faith and hope in a leader or a political party or in you know writing a part of our system or you know in a vaccine and those things are well and good and we should pray for those things and work for those things. But I find that I have to find my center and my ultimate hope in Jesus, right? right. We're, our solution is not a political party. Our solution is not in a solution. It is in Jesus. Well, and I think that's what, that was the whole like kind of point I was trying to make about the legalism, right? I, I think legalism ultimately is where you understand a moral tone or moral direction and you you have no real conviction, real identity of your own. You're just kind of fitting the stream that you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I just think that where we are right now, people are trying to do 
um, they're trying to have all the right signals. You know, they're trying to like give all the right signals that proves that they're really a righteous person. Right. Um, and again, I mean, I'm not saying that like some of those things aren't good and right, but you know, there, there is for, you know, you know, just to be, you know, front with it, there, there is like a, a, a need to like, okay, post the right thing kind mm-hmm. of in this moment on your Instagram. And again, like, I think I'm not saying all those posts are totally disingenuous, but I think people are feeling a certain external moral pressure to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 really what what we would desire for the people that go to Christ's covenant the people that are that for ourselves obviously is to actually just have convictions of your own and uh but in a world with no authority where does any of that come from that's really lasting and so you know again i'm not trying to repeat the sermon here but <laughs> the hope of the church is to grow up into our head who is christ yes to identify with him and then we actually have the heart of god where there is, where we really understand what compassion is, we really understand what truth is, we really understand what love is, we really understand, you know, all the world rightly in a holistic uh, kind of way. Mm-hmm. You um, know what it made me think of? Because uh, I have college students, so I have uh, kids that are leaving home, and how much we want them to obey our rules. We teach them when they're young. Um, and of course, you want them just to do it because, you know, you said so. But ultimately, you want them to leave your home and believe the things that you said. Right. And they and you want them to trust you as a parent that you gave them, um, that you the things you're telling them are because you love them. And um, and what a difference it is to see your kids um, take that on for themselves and to do it out of love. Like you want them to do it out of love. And then I just think that's who our Heavenly Father is. He wants us to to obey and to follow and to find identity out of love, not out of this. I'm keeping all your rules. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I've, I've often said, actually we're going to do like a sermon series on this, like in the fall, like the Galatians, I would say Galatians is a good guide for parenting. Like in Galatians three, it talks about the law that is a guardian. Like when your kids are little, you need a guardian, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need John Kellis, for example, to understand like why he can't go down to the Creek by himself. Um, he just needs to know, like, he doesn't need to go down there. But, like, as he gets older, he'll understand, okay, like, these are poisonous mm-hmm. snakes. And these are, like, people that can kidnap children and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And he'll understand the, the why of it. And then he's free to make his own decisions. Right. But right now, he needs a guardian. He needs the law. Um, but, of course, the, the goal of the Christian life and the goal of parenting is to be actually free because the law is internal, not right. external. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, Blake, you had a yeah so good the, comment yesterday about Andrew. I thought yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, to me, uh, Jesus turned, he turned, saw them following, and said to them, "What are you seeking?" Um, he says, "I'm come and see." And then you have like the response of Andrew that John picks up on uh, here. He says, "One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother." And then his response to Seeing Jesus as uh, the Lamb of God was that he went and told his brother. And think about how important all of these guys were for the Christian faith, but in particular, Simon Peter. You know, like this man would be the rock on which Christ would build his church, you know, later as the biblical narrative unfolds. And so um, this is an important movement, I think. And I, and I love how John, the gospel writer, recounts this. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, Andrew's going to his brother. He says, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. And I just feel like that is such a 
kind and pastoral way that Andrew's just leading Simon Peter along towards also seeing, come and see, that yeah. Jesus is the Messiah. Well, that's kind of a good segue to something you were talking about, Jordan, which just the come and see nature of our faith. Yeah, and on that point, I mean, I, I, in the church I served in previously, we used to talk about how the we want to bring our non-Christian friends, those who don't know Jesus, to come and experience uh, the, the the Christian community life mm-hmm. um, that the gospel provides for us, you know, because there is an experiential reality to our faith. Uh, and, and that's what I loved. You, you drew that out, I, I think, in your, your uh, opening remarks as well, of just how Christianity is a come and see religion, right? Like it's Jesus is inviting them to, to come, come and experience something, come and see it. And then, you know, to your point, Blake, that's, that's immediately what Philip says, right? Mm-hmm. Come, come, just come and see, come and experience. Yeah. And I think that's, it's so important for Christians, particularly in this day and age where we, we place a lot of confidence in our ability uh, to understand and in, in propositions and truths and doctrines um, that we can fail to remember that we're, we're to experience this and, and that it's a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's what will transform us. Yeah, the most the most compelling argument usually for Christianity when you hear people's testimonies is that they got to know another Christian yeah. and consider their way of life, mm-hmm. you know, or or they got to know the story and really got to know Jesus. But you know, in either case, it's not just that they're adhering to certain propositions, though. These propositions actually they, they themselves like make a lot of sense of the world, but they're they're considering the the result. They're considering the effect of these things. Um, and I think that's what's happening here. Just like, Hey, let's follow this guy around. Let's see what his life is actually like. Um, and you know, I think I I said, you know, you can see him in his word, right? You can actually read the gospel of John and get to know Jesus. You can see him in his church. You can go to a community group. You can come worship with Christians and start to see, okay, how Jesus changes things. You can see him, um, in his people, just, you know, the guy that is a Christian at your office place, consider his way of life, you know? And you can consider him in the way that he has changed the world. And I said that I would talk about this a little bit more. Um, I, I really do think Jesus is bringing about a renewal in the world, even though you know it may not totally be directly connected to Jesus in a sense. Um, but I, I do think what Christianity introduced, when Jesus came and he introduced, you know, I guess if you will, like his way uh, to the world. The world, even though they haven't all become followers of Jesus, people have picked up on, uh, I would say, the kind of human, um, the human rights kind of ideals of Jesus, that we treat one another as people with dignity, as, uh, as people that are respectful of one another. Uh, people have picked up, you know, Christianity is a very, it's a come and see thing. I mean, so I think Christianity birthed the idea of schools and science and all of these other things. Um, and so, so I think things that Christianity gave birth to, like science, like uh, just, again, human dignity um, and, and so many other things. And we can talk about this probably, you know, much longer than right now. Has, has created a renewal, has created a renaissance. You know, in one sense, it's 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 these tools that Christianity has given the world have led some people to reject uh, the very foundation that they sit on, which, of course, Christianity. I talked a lot about this is why do, in the Why Do Christians Reject Science sermon. Um, 
But in another sense, I think if you're seeing these things rightly, it's actually Christianity that gave birth to so much of what we now enjoy um, as as just a society. Um, and so even, even for example, uh, medicine, I, I talked a lot about like vaccines and, and how this current, you know, pandemic has not been as uh, detrimental as like the Spanish flu, you know, it, it is this, you know, Christians were the ones that kind of created hospitals. Like Christians were the one that kind of opened this idea of concern for one another and care for one another, which are really the ideas of Christ that have kind of infiltrated the, the world. So I think even in a, in a time or even in a way where people aren't Christians per se, following Jesus as Lord, uh, the ideals of Christ, the way of Christ, things that Christ has given the world are actually bringing about a good renewal. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's yes. the goodness of living in the kingdom of God. Right, right, yeah. Like the, our creator knows the best way for us to live. And that's what you see in the Beatitudes where he's kind of reinstituting this, this idea of flourishing and, and what, that, what that looks like. And, and that goes along with we're now citizens of a different kingdom and we're increasingly becoming that. And eventually the world is being transformed into this new place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thy kingdom is coming kind of in more ways than one, you know. Um, well, and it, it's interesting too. So you think about the community of, uh, the disciples and if you read the gospel accounts, it's not exactly a unified, perfect community, right? They're mm-hmm. arguing amongst each other. Judas ends up betraying Jesus. Like there, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot that's happening there that doesn't necessarily reflect this kingdom. And yet at that very time and through ultimately those people, Jesus is accomplishing his purposes and his mission. Mm-hmm. And it's at, that's encouraging to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can look at the church community at times, you can look at, you know, the church globally and, and there are things that aren't encouraging. Right. Um, and yet we, we have, we have this picture in the gospel accounts, even, mm-hmm. even as Jesus is starting his mission, he decides to use these people who are weak and broken to accomplish it. Well, I was having this conversation the other night, you know, we were talking about how, you know, racially divided the world is just kind of a lot of conversation a lot of people are having right now. And, uh, and we were talking about like how the church probably has not done, you know, enough. And I don't think the church has done enough uh, to bridge some of those barriers or to meet needs of some of the most vulnerable among us. But if you look at what is actually happening among some of the most vulnerable, it is the church that's at least doing something, you know, we were talking about some of these communities, um, you know, I was talking about a particular community in Memphis that's incredibly, um, you know, there's some great hardships, some great vulnerabilities there. And I was just saying like, you know, I've been to this community and the only like good that you see in this community are like Christian ministries, you know? And so there's a lot of things that are bad in this community, but they're the, 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 the bright spots, the few bright spots are you know the christian communities that the christian ministries that are there so i mean even that i mean and i think you know again christians can be blamed for a lot um and christians have many stains again i'm not like necessarily defending christianity here but like on on, there's there's always two sides of the story like christians haven't done enough christians in one sense there's many southern preachers that did uh you know preach to defend the morality of slavery but at the same time like all of the abolitionists were also christians Mm -hmm. right 
And so I, I do think that Jesus, in so many different ways, has has been bringing about a renewal. And I think that's something that we, um, you know, as believers can celebrate um, and should celebrate. I think that's something that is so important for us during this time to remember and to really fight for both for our own own selves but then also as we're talking to people that God is a God of justice God is a God of love and compassion and God is the one who broke down the dividing walls of hostility right yeah right yes. so so our great the greatest hope for reconciliation for restoration for justice is found in the God that we believe in. Yeah, why do we want these things? Why do we right. want reconciliation? Why do we want restoration? Why do we want love? Why don't we want compassion? These aren't Darwinian ideas, right? What what has given us this value system that we all think to ourselves, this is a good idea? Um, and the real answer is, these are Christian ideas. Now, again, I think a society full of people that are not Christians have adopted them as their own. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think secularism, the, the, the great kind of, I guess, hypocrisy of secularism is that secularism has some Christian ideals that it still wants to hold on to. It just doesn't have the Christian framework to pursue those ideals. Mm -hmm. And thus, that's why secularism always fails. Um, but, you know, true Darwinian ideals are not things like justice and compassion and mercy, you know, and just all go people are equal. Yeah, all people right. are equal. Right, right. It's actually the, the, opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite. Right. Yeah. Of life. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, where do these ideals come from? Well, they, they come actually from God, as you <laughs> said, who's the creator and giver of life. So, and that's what yeah we see in this this passage is this idea that, uh, to your point, Jennifer, that it's it's Jesus is inviting them into an identity transformation. Mm -hmm. where where they are going to learn from him what what all these truths mean lived out and and seen through his life and and so we're we're all called and I love how you drew that out Jason is that you know following Jesus means being changed by him by and and growing uh in him well guys good stuff okay where we, where do we go from here Blake you got something yeah you know as I was listening you know Jesus says, come and see. And I, it, I was reminded of Psalm 34, where in verse 8, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And the ideas of like, what are you seeking and come and see are also evident in this passage in that David is writing thousands of years ahead. You know, so like, um, blessed is the man who takes refuge. And we're all seeking refuge in something. We all want to anchor our and find covering under some ideology, something in the world. But his profound response is, it is the Lord. Taste mm. and see that he is good. And, Go ahead. Well, it just soothes the, um, the panic. You know, there's no panic in God's voice. There was no Jesus when he came. He, he wasn't, you know, come into this terrible world and then whip everyone into a frenzy and, um, you know, throw away, throw around his power. He it's just so gracious to invite people to come and see and that God does that over and over, um, in his word and how it informs me and how I should, um, also speak to people like not in a panic. Yeah. And you know, 
this actually relates to a question we got last week. This is not from this week, but from last week when uh, we looked at the previous passage and the baptism of John, and then John, of course, says that Jesus is coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit. What is that about? And the question was basically, what is what is that saying? And And I think that what John is talking about there is kind of the regenerative nature of uh, Christ bringing about the Holy Spirit to his followers in a way that regenerates them, that makes them new, that that can both convicts them of sin, righteousness, and judgment, right? That that leads them away from their own sin and leads them toward the righteousness of Christ. Anyway, this goes to just exactly what you're saying. Like, how do we grow up into the head who is Christ? How do we hear the voice of God and and know what it means? Well, it's actually the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given to all believers so that we we actually can have, I mean, this is an amazing thing to say. It's like the most simple thing to say, but it's an amazing thing to say. We can have the mind of Christ. You can approach the world as a Christian, as someone who is thinking as Jesus would think about these things. Um, and if that's true, then, you know, how much, this is kind of what I was saying in the beginning, like how strong can we be? We're not little leaves tossed around by the winds of the day we're people anchored in God and thus we can actually know what is really just and what is really true, what is really right and what is really whole. We can be whole people and, um, man, what a promise, what a hope. And, uh, I, that's, that, that's, that's what I want to be. And Jesus leads us in that by yeah. the ministry of his spirit. Amen. Yeah. And I, I was reminded yesterday, I mean, I, I think all of us, if we're honest, we can look at our lives and see so many areas where we're not like Jesus yet, where we're seeking to grow and change, and it can just become overwhelming. And I loved how you, you use that example of your small investment of tithe and, and being kind of convicted of that at the beginning and kind of the, the exponential effect, you know, right, long term. Yeah. And I just, I, I think, you know, as an encouragement for myself, but then, you know, if you're listening and, and you're in that place of discouragement, um, following Jesus is taking small steps of obedience in what you know to be right. And, and over time, much like habits in our life of anything, whether it's diet or exercise or whatever, um, exponentially it has a, an effect. And, and that's what Jesus calls us to. It's not to, you know, go and change the world and, you know, become perfect. It's no, follow me. Right. Obey, obey me. Mm -hmm. Obey me in this decision. Obey me in that's this really decision. Good. All and, big and that's obedience starts with little obedience. Exactly. Right, Long yeah. obedience in the same direction. Right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even just like we say, we changed what he values. Like the way that the great ministries have gotten started, you know, Blake and I were talking about this this morning. Like, how, how does like big disciple making happen? It's with like somebody saying, I'm going to start discipling this one person. Mm -hmm. And then God blesses that fruit. So. Right. Well, guys, great discussion. Man, I feel like we can keep going, but you know what? They're they're probably getting close to work, and they've been listening on yeah. two speed. And so, you know, you guys, they're, they're having to go into the office now, a lot of them. So, you know, we're, right. we're going to let you guys go. But, um, man, great discussion for Jennifer McClish, Blake Rogers, Jordan Coughlin. I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. <laughs>